When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Welcome in to Mackie and Judd. Sandsville today, he is taking one last pre-football vacation. So once he's done, hey, there he is, my Sid Hartman bobblehead that I always use. For those of you who watch us on YouTube, thank you. That, of course, is is a guy who's bordering on, on deserving his own bobblehead very soon. That's right, our guy, Doogie, because it's a Reckless Speculation Thursday, and we're about to get into... The meat grinder of the scoops, Declan Goff, executive producer, as always. And I don't know why he's wearing a nice shirt, but he is and makes me look bad. And I have to do that. Look bad. And why? You don't need to do that. I have to be the looks on this show. That's how this works. Oh, absolutely. I mean, heck, I am very hard on the eyes. Any suggestion of somebody (laughs) needing to make some sort of likeness of me in bobblehead form is moronic, is idiotic. You deserve a bobblehead. You're very close to bobblehead status. <laughs> Jack of all trades, been around forever. I don't even know if my wife would buy said bobblehead. I would, I would though. And I put it right by my Sid one. See, that's the key there. All right. So it is Reckless Speculation Thursday. Fill back on Monday, but that does not stop us from, from at times, Dugues, recklessly speculating but at times also very logically and solidly and through your scoops speculating on things that might happen let's start with this one so when when um the, the wolves and simmons were tied together early on after the after the sixers went out in the playoffs there was a ton of talk about would ben come to the timberwolves that the you I think reported that the Wolves were definitely interested, that there was going to be a back and forth. On the Zach Lowe ESPN podcast, he put out there within the last day or so that the Spurs, the Warriors, and the Wolves are in on Ben Simmons to what he called varying degrees of interest. Um, As we know, Dukes, often in cases like this, what will happen is we'll talk about it, and the public will a lot. If it's a big name, it'll go sort of quiet. So, like, it'll be quiet for a while. And then after that, it will come back and pop back up. And that's ordinarily when the reality of it possibly getting done exists. So, just despite the fact that this has gone underground and quiet for a while, what can you tell us about where things stand on the Ben Simmons trade front and the potential that the Wolves are still actually very much involved? I mean, maybe publicly it's gone underground to some degree, but with the entire league in Las Vegas, I can promise you, executives are talking about Ben Simmons, his future right now. They are. Now, heck, I told you a few weeks ago, Judd, I thought he would be traded by the night of the draft. I have been proven wrong on that. I still firmly believe, based on multiple league people, that he's going somewhere eventually. It's when, not if. Now, could this thing potentially drag into the season because Philadelphia now has its eyes squarely on Damian Lillard? So Philadelphia in the last week, week and a half, hired one of Lillard's guys, a guy that he worked with at Weber State, a guy that's been his skills coach the last few years, a guy with the first name of Phil. I forget his last name. It begins with a B. It doesn't matter what his name is, but he is now on Philadelphia's payroll. Read between those lines. Now, Damian Lillard 
You know, Zach Lowe was on this. I certainly have not heard of him making a firm trade demand, but there are league people who think that day is eventually coming, that Damian Lillard will go to Portland management and say, okay, enough is enough. It's time to move me. So does Philadelphia then hold on to the pretty good trade chip of Ben Simmons with four years left on his contract and, you know, look at it and say, okay, we can offer Portland to Ben, Tyrese Maxey, a really good young player, by the way, and a future first, multiple future firsts. That's our pathway to acquiring Lillard. You know, so like I wouldn't necessarily rule out, you know, at least in Philadelphia's mind, you know, potentially pursuing that angle. So, you know, maybe Ben, maybe Ben starts the year with the Sixers. But I'm just, I'm telling you, Jed, like I still, I think a trade is coming. Yeah, I mean, it was termed to me weeks ago, the word was used badly, that the Wolves, quote, badly want Ben Simmons. I continue to hear, unless something changes, Daryl Morey doesn't have interest in who the Wolves are willing to offer. Daryl Morey is not interested in Malik Beasley, in Jarek Culver, in Josh Kogi, in Jake Lehman, in Wancho Hernan Gomez. He's just not. Sure, he's got interest in Anthony Edwards. The Wolves are not moving Anthony Edwards for Ben Simmons. So until Maury budges, Rosas isn't budging on, on the ant stance, nor should he. So unless Maury budges, unless you can find that third team, I just I don't see how Ben Simmons lands here. I can also add, Judd, I mean, you listed a few teams there. I mean, Sacramento. You know, Sacramento is still trying to do some things. They have Buddy Heald. You know, they have Bagley. You know, they would have to toss in multiple firsts. But Sacramento's another team with known interest in Ben Simmons. So Kirsten doesn't strike me as the type of guy who is essentially told no and disappears. It's like, oh, too bad. Okay, bye-bye. Uh, he strikes me as the type of guy who probably tries to find a way at least a second or third time, Dukes, to make a trade work. That being said, do you think that the path, and we've talked about this going back to the origination of of this discussion about Ben, do you think that the path for a three-team trade remains alive? Because Gerson has a lot of smart people. He's a smart guy. Um, So I guess if it has to be a three-team trade, do you think behind the scenes fairly quietly right now, that's what he at least is looking to work? Because to your point, he knows that the Sixers look at the assets he's offering and basically say, no, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think he's been working that actually going back weeks, Judd. Like I still look at Portland and say, what direction are they going? Like if they move Lillard, do they really want Ben Simmons or would they completely hit the reset button? Would it make sense for Portland to acquire a bunch of future firsts and a bunch of expiring contracts? They can always get off the CJ McCollum contract if they want to he still holds incredible value so like if you're portland you know do you take the okc route accumulate all these draft picks you know hit rock bottom for a few years there's some really good draft prospects the next two years including if you really want to look far out the 2023 draft the 7-3 player from france i mean he looks like he's going to be the best draft prospect in a number of years and you're not guaranteed anything, right? With the way the lottery is now set up, you can be the worst team in the league and you're far from guaranteed even a top three pick. You know, so like that's a slippery slope. You know, but even like a Chet Holmgren, you know, like Chet is considered a high level draft prospect next year. Maybe not a lock to be number one, but I'm just saying if you're Portland, you're probably having some of those internal conversations. But like, I still don't think, like, if you're Portland, okay, even with expiring contracts, you know, Hernan Gomez, that's a team option for that third year. So you could look at Hernan Gomez and say expiring contract this next year. Jared Culver isn't guaranteed beyond the year. Jake Lehman, expiring contract. But still, like, how many firsts would it take for Portland to do such a thing? And I still think Portland is going to try to do more to make this thing work with Damian Lillard. Like, you can argue if you wanted to, with all due respect to Clyde Drexler, Terry Porter, all those guys, that Damian Lillard is the best player in Trailblazers history. Like, why would you move off of him, especially when he hasn't, 
you know, come to you and said, hey, get me the bleep out of here. So, like, I think we're just, I think we're a far way away from from that happening. But make no mistake, like, the Wolves still would love Ben Simmons. But they're just, there is not a logical path. There just isn't, Judd. Like, seriously, soundly, logically speaking, like, find me the path, even involving a third team. Like, I, I've tried. I've attempted to concoct. Shot, dude, I've mine. played with such and Gupta's trade machine on ESPN.com. <laughs> it's really hard to to formulate a logical trade where Ben Simmons lands here. Doogie, when you're when you're looking to Zach Lowe put out the uh, just yesterday on winners and losers of trade of of the NBA free agency and whatnot, and taking away obviously the Trailblazers, who Lowe even notes that they probably are the favorite and they're waiting that out to try to figure out how that trade can work between Ben Simmons, the Sixers, and and Portland, but he also mentioned the Warriors, Spurs, and Timberwolves have discussed Simmons with varying degree of interest. Sources have told him if you were to rank Warriors, Spurs, and Wolves as the most likelihood of landing Ben Simmons, which of those three teams would would you think has the best path to get him? Probably Golden State, right? With James Wiseman on the table, with Moses Moody on the table, maybe Jordan Poole. Like Golden State's got some good young guys. Now, they would have to send some money out. So what's Wiggins got left on his contract, Declan? Is it a couple years? It's definitely more than one. Like, if you're Philadelphia, you probably don't want the Andrew Wiggins contract, but it's not like Wiggins was a train wreck mm-hmm. last year, so maybe Philadelphia could talk themselves into such a scenario. But, like, they need shooting. They need some perimeter help. You know, they made the mistake of of moving off uh, some other guys, although the acquisition of Seth Curry was was dynamic. Actually, Dallas is the team that made the mistake, you know, mm-hmm. making the move for Josh Richardson. That was actually a, a shrewd move by, by Daryl Morey. But, like, you think about the way Houston played all those years, like Philadelphia probably can't have enough perimeter shooting. But I, I guess you can make a case that Wiggins could fit in there. Uh San Antonio, like they took the Florida State kid in the lottery last year, but he hasn't shown much. They have Trey Jones. You know, would they move off Murray, the young point guard? Uh, Maybe. I don't know. I I don't see all the pieces that that San Antonio has that that would be uber appealing to Philadelphia. So if you're asking me to rank those three with Mm -hmm. Anthony Edwards off the table, I still think. Like, if it came down to it, as much as the Wolves love Jaden McDaniels, and I think Jaden McDaniels is going to be here next year. I do. But, like, if it came down to it, would the Wolves move Jaden McDaniels uh, to land Ben Simmons? I think they they would. But that being said, if I had to rank uh, the likelihood of those three, Declan, to answer your question, I would go Warriors 1, maybe the Wolves 2 with McDaniels in a package, Mm -hmm. multiple future firsts. They maybe put the Spurs three, but you can make maybe make a case for the Spurs being two. But nonetheless, Golden State for sure number one of those three teams. Uh, this other piece of reckless speculation from Zach Lowe. Reckless speculation. He says regardless, the Wolves should have eyes on Carl Anthony Towns. Now that's easy for me to say. Well, Golden State, right? Golden, Golden State. State should have eyes yep. on Carl Anthony Towns. Yep. Yeah, that's easy for me to say. Towns is not available and may not be for a while or even ever. But Curry is 33. Talent is talent. If he, if it is the fit, even if the fit, excuse me, is imperfect. What I, I know you throw it uh, throughout maybe what was it like almost a year ago or last fall that league executives said that Towns was basically going to eventually be out of Minnesota. Paraphrasing there a little bit. Uh, what about the idea if if this Wolves team again just doesn't hit its ceiling? They're significantly under 500 even around the trade deadline or by the end of the next NBA season, what, what's the likelihood that Carl Anthony Towns does say, all right, I want out of Minnesota and I want to change the scenery? I mean, never say never, but Declan, he has not gotten to that point. He wants to make this work. You know, I think his words ring true when he has said for, for many years, going back to when Flip Saunders took a chance on him, when heck Flip, Flip was leaning uh, for a while, the Jalil Okafor route, you know, sure. uh, eventually settled on on Cat, you know, weeks before the draft. But at one point, Flip was all about Jalil Okafor. You know, so I think Cat feels indebted to Flip that he wants to make it work here in the worst way. You know, he's also heard, you know, the rumbles for years that in six years he's made the playoffs once and he made the playoffs because of Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. Like, and he's got that stigma to deal with, that, that he hears all that. Yeah, there are league people who think, 
yeah, like I'm saying, eventually Ben Simmons gets traded, that it's going to come to that point that Cat is going to ask out. But I can just tell you right now, as we sit here on, on August 12th, 2021, Cat has not gone to the Wolves. In fact, he's he's told them the opposite, that he's happy right now. He really likes the direction things are going. Uh, he's in phenomenal shape. Now, maybe too good a shape. Uh, he's darn skinny right now. Like, uh, is the idea for him to be chasing around a lot of stretch power forwards? Is he going to be chasing guys around the perimeter? Like, he looks incredibly fit right now. Maybe too fit. Like, he might need some bulk, you know, defending some of those five men if he's going to end up defending five men. And he's got flexibility. He can guard fours and fives to, to some extent. What's that, Duke's trading. And if you trade Cat, so like, and I, it, it's been talked about, and I, I get that. But like, if the plan is to, if the plan is to um, add talent to this team and to make some type of run, which in the Wolves' world would probably be just a consistent playoff team at this point, uh, trading Cat to me seems to be blowing up the entire thing because Ant, Ant, and Cat, I think, are the future plan at least. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to work for sure, and we have certainly seen that happen. But I got to think that in Gerson's mind, uh, with Chris Finch coaching this team, that the plan is your building blocks are are Ant for sure, Cat for sure, D'Lo, I think. I'm not positive, but I think. And after that, if you can supplement in with a really good player, that's awesome. That's great. But I would think that trading Cat or considering it right now would almost be another nuclear option of sorts and that you or that you are just convinced that ant is so good this can just be his team so i guess i guess what i'm saying is the idea of trading carl anthony towns right now doesn't seem to me it's fun to talk about but it doesn't seem to me to be a real plausible one in the world of of gerson rosas and what he's trying to do as this team transitions from the taylor group to the to the a-Rod, Laurie group. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's no plausible scenario in Gerson Rosas's mind that entails him moving Carl Anthony Towns. Gerson Rosas, for lack of a better way of saying it, Judd, is married to Carl Anthony yeah. Towns. And what you said about D'Angelo Russell, I mean, Chris Finch went down to Louisville a few weeks ago, hung out with, with D'Angelo. I mean, the way the Wolves have been operating, it absolutely involves D'Angelo. Now, we can debate whether that's a smart decision or not but i can just tell you yeah i mean uh they want to make this thing work with d'angelo russell with anthony edwards with carl anthony towns you know hopefully those guys can sustain health sustain playing being on the court being available you know and seeing this thing through i do know though judd a couple league people who say you know what if you're the wolves like look at the west it's not slowing down like, can they even be a top 10 team? Like, why not get the world right now for Cat? You can always get off the D-Lo contract, too, if you want. And I don't think there's much of a trade market for him. Like, I can tell you, Philadelphia doesn't have interest in D'Angelo Russell. But you can probably trade him. Like, I don't think that contract is is untradeable. Put it that way. Now, maybe you would have to attach a protected future first, whatever. But if you needed to trade D'Angelo Russell, you could. That Some league people say, yeah. Like, build this thing around Ant, build this thing around Jaden McDaniels, you know, hit rock bottom again for the next year or two, accumulate more draft assets, and, you know, make a serious run in, you know, two to three years. Don't think that you're going to be able to make a, a big leap, you know, this next year, or maybe even after after the season, you know, two years from now. But that's not the Wolves' mindset. Like, they fully expect to make a, a sizable leap this upcoming season. I'll also add, I mean, you know, Zach Lowe's suggesting, you know, Golden State. Like, and I brought this up before, but I'll reiterate it. Now, this was more the Donnie Nelson Dallas regime, but like Dallas has had its eyes on on Cat for a while. You know, they would love to have Cat with with Luca. You know, Phoenix before they made the run and DeAndre Ayton really popped. Like I think Phoenix, you know, had their eyes on Cat with the idea of Cat being with his buddy Devin Booker, but then Aiton just, you know, he blew up in the postseason. You know, really, the whole season, he had a really good year. But, you know, at this point, if you're Phoenix, you're not moving off DeAndre Aiton. But those would be two. I mean, his former agent is running the New York Knicks, Leon Rose. And I'm sure some people are like, ah, Tibbs doesn't want Cat. Tibbs would be okay coaching Cat. He he just, he would. He, he absolutely would. 
uh, and the Knicks have all sorts of assets to go all in on. uh, What's that? Would Cat be okay playing for Tibbs, though, is my question. I think he would be okay playing in in the New York market. Yeah. All right. With with his guy, Leon, you know, the the big boss. Yeah, I I think he would. And, you know, I'll be curious to see. Like, the Knicks have, have accumulated assets, right? Mitchell Robinson, R.J. Barrett. Uh, yeah. They've got some guys. Kevin Knox maybe hasn't, you know, reached full potential or even seventy-five percent potential. But you know, they have some intriguing pieces. They still have at least what one future first-round pick from from the Porzingis trade, if not, you know, multiple. So you know, New York at some point wants to position itself to to go all in. You know, acquire some star. Uh, you know, so it'll be interesting. But like, you can go up and down uh, the roster of many teams that that. You know, haven't done much the last couple of years and say, keep an eye on that guy, that situation like Zion Williamson, right? Keep an eye on that situation yes. in New Orleans. Bradley Beal, even though he's never said anything publicly to suggest this, people it's still like game. to talk about that. Bradley Beal, Washington. It's it's the intrigue of the league. It's, you know, it's what makes this league, you know, unique in many ways compared to the other big three sports, NHL, NFL, Major League Baseball with with all this big player movement, James Harden. You know, last year, you know, forcing his way out of Houston. It's just, we're waiting for the next big domino to fall. Who will it be? You know, will it be Lillard? Will it be Simmons? Will it be the two of them in the same transaction? You know, do you even count Ben Simmons as as a superstar? But, like, those those are conversations. I, I promise you, Judd, those are conversations a lot of people right now. Maybe it's more media-driven with so many media out in Vegas. But, like, these are conversations being had right now at Summer League. Hey, Dex, yes, play, sir. if if you'd be so kind, play the alarm, because I want to transition to Vikings, and I think I got bad news. All right, Doogie. <laughs> Let's go there. You have something and new think, in the last 10 minutes? I haven't been on Twitter. No, no, I okay. do not. But I think, but this I think that this deserves, but I think that this deserves now the alarm officially, because, because this player is not nearly as important yet as Daniil Hunter was a year ago, but man, is it starting to feel familiar. First round pick, Christian Derrissaw. Your your planned opening day left tackle. Don't tell me he wasn't. Don't tell me that you thought to yourself, oh, Rashad Hill can start. That'll be good. Um, everybody from the folks who, who draw paychecks from the Wilson Egan to the guy in Duluth who just turns on the game on Sunday said, Christian Derrissaw will start at left tackle on opening day. Uh, Christian Derrissaw missed the opening portion of training camp completely did not practice then was in pads for a few days, but never took part in real drills. Like he did a little bit of work, but no team drills, no nothing. Rashad Hill remained at left tackle. And then yesterday for the joint practice against the Broncos was, I believe the only player who was nowhere to be found. He was not on the field. I don't know if he was working out. I don't know where he was. I don't know if he was seeing somebody. I don't know. Um, but I will say this, my veteran spidey senses, which go back to my time at the Star Tribune covering the Vikings. And as I said, Daniil Hunter last year, this is beginning to feel like there's real problems here injury wise. And I'm beginning to wonder if we're going to get the word in like two weeks. Hey, man, we tried, he tried to play. Um, but, but in, he had a core slash groin surgery in January, but something didn't go right there or it wasn't complete enough i just think if you put the pieces of this puzzle together i'm waiting for the other shoe to drop and i don't think it's going to be good news i get it you having your tentacles up the spidey sense i wasn't there yesterday i'll be there later today but yeah i mean uh, a few players didn't participate you know daniel hunter justin jefferson you know dd westbrook but they were they were spotted nate stanley yeah i mean the only guy that literally wasn't spotted was Christian Derisaw. So where was he? Like, it doesn't make sense for him to have been inside getting treatment because you'd want him out there at least to see, to experience, you know, what, what his fellow offensive linemen were, were up against with, with the Broncos defensive linemen. So like, yeah, was he visiting? Did he fly out to go visit, you know, uh, a doctor? I, yeah, I, I, I get the concern. I do. I've not heard at this point, of him needing to undergo some sort of second surgery, that the first surgery in January maybe necessarily didn't didn't work the way they had planned. But yeah, is it something on my radar, Judd? 
Yeah, it is. And at this point, like Rashad Hill's starting week one. Like, there's your yeah. starting left tackle. Rashad Hill is your starting left tackle <sighs> one month from today in Cincinnati against the Bengals. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, when they took him in late April, Judd, the idea was we just found our starting left tackle. This is our guy. It made us, you know, feel good after, after you know, moving off Riley Reef, who you could debate. You know, maybe it was Brian O'Neill, but you could debate Riley Reef was their best offensive lineman last year. When you talk about the number four total offense, you know, the year that Dalvin had, the success that Cousins had, Riley Reef certainly had a good amount to do with that. You know, so yes, it's a legitimate concern. And once again, like how many years is this in a row? Where like the number one storyline is the offensive line. There are other questions. Don't get me wrong, right? I don't think Bashad Breland had a particularly great day yesterday, but he's been around enough. I still think he's going to be the second corner come the Bengals game that he'll beat out Cam Dancer. I get all the other questions. Heck, kicker. We haven't talked much about kicker. How much faith do you have in Greg Joseph? But I'm telling you, like the number one storyline. You know, and wide receivers keep going down. Blake Prohl put on Instagram. If you read his Instagram post, it's what we feared when, when he went down yesterday. You know, our, our photojournalist, Scott Wise, captured it pretty darn good. Not the play, but when he was down and, and, you know, he covered his face. It looked like he was, you know, there were some tears there when he got carted off. Just the look on his face was, this is a really bad injury. And if you read Blake Prohl's Instagram post, it's pretty clear. Mm-hmm. It's a season-ending knee injury. And you know, BC goes down with the season ending injury. So like there's other storylines. Don't get me wrong. And they're thin at receiver. I I get all of that, but the number one storyline Judd is the offensive line. We thought Wyatt Davis starter at right guard. We thought Christian Darisaw starter at left tackle. Neither of those things is going to happen. Now my understanding is Wyatt Davis had a good day yesterday. I still think there's a lot there with Wyatt Davis. I can see him eventually being the starter at right guard at some point. This season and Ole Udo had a good day too. Like they may have found a diamond in the rough there. You know, with him, it's not going to be Dakota Dozier. Let's not kid ourselves. It would be Ole Udo if it's not Wyatt Davis starting at right guard. But yeah, it's like, come on here. Like the idea isn't for Rashad Hill to be the starting left tackle. So yeah, I get all the concerns that that you have. I'll tell you for whatever it's worth, somebody who knows Darisaw really well, who's been good to me. You know, has has certainly texted me back on a pretty regular basis when I reach out to this individual, has cut off communication with me. Just has. I mean, I reached out to this individual multiple dumped? times yesterday. You got, got ghosted. I get ghosted, ghosted all the time. Ghosted. That's a big Everson difference. Griffin continues to ghost me. I reached out to him the other yeah, well, day. He told me a few weeks ago. Well, yeah, I mean, I know that Everson is not re-signing with the Vikings, and I don't even know if he ends up with, with an NFL job this year. But I just I wanted to catch up with, with Everson. He told me a few weeks ago he would do an interview. And I keep reaching out. I try not to be a, a pest, but I've reached out two or three times the last two or three weeks. He's ghosted me. He hasn't gotten back to me. Duke, I have an offensive line question here for you just in a second. But by the way, these scoops are powered by our friends at PXG in Minneapolis. Go check out those Gen 4 drivers. They have uh, Gen 4 golf clubs as well. Maybe you need a new putter or if you're like Judd Zolgad, who was just ripping me for wearing a nice shirt. Well, Judd, PXG also has apparel. You, you can go down okay. to... PXG in, in the Southdale Center, right around your neck of the woods. Go down there, get a nice polo like Dukes has on, rock, rocking that old school 1500 ESPN uh, polo. Mm-hmm. You can get a mm-hmm. PXG polo in Southdale Center and maybe eventually pick up your golf game as well. I, I, know you're, I know you're hesitant to get back on, but if there's any time to go, I would go to PXG and get a new All set right. of clubs. All right, here's an update, by the way, because I knew the Darisol talk was coming up, so I texted the person okay. again about mm-hmm. 15 minutes ago. This individual got back to me. We are trying to figure out the injury with him. So hmm. read between See, the lines the, on the, that one. Yeah, I mean, oh. he had to have. Right. I mean, he would have been out there yesterday. I will trust you, Judd. I was so not there, but that yeah, he was no, he not spotted there. No. out there. And I get it. There were a ton of players on the field between the two teams. So is it possible? You know, your eyes deceived you, maybe. But I trust you, Judd. You didn't see I him out there. You no, looked in, and you like were talking to people. Four people. You didn't see him out there yesterday. So, yep. there you go, right? Like, there's no way he was inside TCO Performance Center. Like, he, he clearly wasn't on the campus of the mm-hmm. Vikings facility yesterday. Yeah. So, you know, I'll work on, on that portion of things. But, yeah, I mean, bottom line, they are trying to figure out this injury. 
Yeah. Uh, well, maybe the only bright spot on the offensive line, Dukes, uh, Brian O'Neill. And in fact, Von Miller might have had the uh, biggest quote of the day yesterday. The Broncos linebacker, one of the best in the business. Um, he said at the podium that Brian O'Neill is one of the best right tackles in the league, and I got a lot of work against him uh, today. I, I know there's been some talks of extending Brian O'Neill. For God's sakes, he's the only stable person on that offensive line, and, and he's been a, a damn good tackle since being drafted. Uh, are the extension talks progressing at all? Do you envision him maybe inking a new deal before week one or maybe even midseason? Well, what have you heard on Brian O'Neill's contract? Brian? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a better chance he gets done before week one as opposed to, you know, mid-October or late October. But bottom line, Declan, yeah, I, I see it happening. I mean, I feel pretty good still about a Harrison Smith extension Mm -hmm. happening. And I actually feel better. I would bet more money on a Brian O'Neill extension happening. So yeah, those talks are, are ongoing. You know, there's, there's a roadmap there. When you look at what the Colts tackle got, when you look at what the saints tackle got, and maybe O'Neill's not quite in, in the category of those guys, Carolina gave its tackle, you know, pretty good money. So, you know, there's, there's a template there you know, money-wise, to, to get a deal done. So, yeah, I to answer your question, Declan, yeah, 100%. I, I see the Vikings locking up Brian O'Neill long-term. And I would imagine, yeah, it happens in the next month. All right, Jugs, we are officially old, especially me, <laughs> because this this weekend will be a 30-year celebration of the 91 Twins World Series champions. I was at Game 7. I was sitting in left field. I saw the ball basically right in front of me. Off the bat of Gene Larkin bounce and gladdy score, the last significant championship by one of the four men's major sports teams in this city. Tell me about uh, how old these people are going to look now, because I think I'm going to be a really depressed <laughs> 51-year-old who was 21 that night and itching to get out for a drink. Yeah, and many of the guys are scheduled to be in town. In fact, many are arriving today. Uh, there's the unfortunate news going back multiple months of of Tom Kelly, you know, tragically losing his his son, Tom Kelly Jr., at yeah. 42 years old. So there is going to be a memorial tomorrow. So I know a lot of the guys will be at that, you know. So, yeah, a lot of guys are, are getting in town today. But there are a bunch of guys, not a bunch. Uh, there's five people total I know of a coach – a few players that that are not coming, including Chuck Knobloch. Like I'm told, Dan Gladden has been working Chuck for a while. Chuck is just—he's a different breed. He's a different animal. He's just—he's, you know, uh, there's enough stuff out there, you know, social media wise. I don't, although I don't know if he's active still on on social media, but you know, if you go to some of his old tweets uh, from the last few years, there's, uh, you know. Speaking of having your tentacles up, there, there's something a little off there. So, uh, Knobloch won't be in town. Sounds like Shane Mack will not be in town. But yeah, a lot of guys will. No Shane Mack will be here. No Shane Mack because he's mad at him, or because I'm not quite sure. Uh, but he won't there. be here. No Shane Mack because Chuck because Chuck was going to go on the Twins Hall of Fame. Was that 2018 ish, 17 ish? Uh, no, uh, Chuck. I think that was like 14. And then he and, and then, then he, he got. Added- a, a D-dub, oh, I believe. A running with the law. Yeah. The law. Here you go. By the way, you ready for a scoop? Oh, here you go. Here you go. Oh, yeah, scoop. live scoops. Yeah, Christian Derisaw was in Philadelphia yesterday. Oh. He saw Dr. Myers, a core muscle specialist. Oh. There you go. I told you it didn't go well. And, and did, did I not tell you the spidey senses were <laughs> at an all-time high? Well, yeah. You texted me last night Wait, to do some leg work here. or yesterday afternoon. So thank you for, for putting the wheels in motion. Yeah, let's get that. Let's get that out there too. Let's let's get that tweeted. So Philadelphia, I'm, I'm going to write this down quick as, as we do the pod as well. So seeing Doctor Myers, you said M E Y E R S. Um, okay. So Maybe there's a story there. out there about Doctor Myers, you know, treating some other athletes. Yeah. I'd have anyway, to go to the Google. But anyway, anyway, this is not good news. This is yeah. not good news because this means this means that something's not right, and they're fishing around for. And by the way, if the surgery didn't take. My professional advice, not being a doctor, but covering this stuff is get the surgery again. Do not try and play through it, Christian. Yeah, I mean, Please. I don't know. I don't have enough intimate knowledge of of his I you know specific situation, you know, that particular injury. Well, I so I don't know, you know, all those intricacies. Uh, but yeah, I mean, 
clearly when when he's flying out of town to see a specialist yeah there's there's cause for for concern there which there is why Zimmer's been is. so frustrated which is why Mike at the podium has been so frustrated because again they this guy was not expected to come in and be Kellen Mond and oh it's too bad you're going to have to sit he was expected to come in and start immediately uh go for basketball Trey Holloman who you've been talking about I think for about a year now. Yeah, I love him. Being, He's been playing really well against some pros over in the Twin Cities Pro-Am at Minnehaha Academy. He committed. He committed. Unfortunately for Ben Johnson, he didn't commit to the Gophers, correct? Correct. Yeah, he made the commitment last weekend that he'll play for Tom Izzo and Michigan State. He is a top 50-ish player in the country in the class of 2022. He's got to work on his shot a little bit, but if the shot comes around... He's a pro. Like he's good enough where I can say right now Trey Holloman is going to make pretty good money playing basketball. I can't promise you it'll be in the NBA. Maybe he carves out a nice career overseas. But Trey Holloman is going to make good money playing basketball. Heck, Austin Hollins has made good money, right? And he hasn't played in the NBA, although he's playing summer league for, for the Wizards. So you can still carve out a nice a nice uh career for yourself overseas. That's what I'm saying. The Trey Holloman is good enough to make good money playing basketball. So, yeah, I mean, Ben Johnson, Dave Thorson did all they could. They were down at the NBA Players Association camp uh, that Trey was at recently. You know, they followed him when when recruiting opened up. You know, they they had him on campus for, for an unofficial visit, like everything they could do. But it's just it's hard to make up ground in three or four months, you know, when Tom Izzo has had an established relationship with Trey for two-plus years. Really, like Tom Izzo... I don't remember if they were the first offer. Maybe Patino offered him first, but Michigan State offered him a while ago. He took an official visit to Michigan State a handful of weeks ago. Like, this this doesn't surprise me. Now, his mom, Crystal Flint, was a really good gopher in her time. You know, so I know that, you know, some fans will be like, you know, mom was, was this great gopher, you know, legacy gopher. Like, her son has to be a gopher. Like, that's the way it... It has to work. It it doesn't work like that's what Sid said. Like that. you'll never work doesn't. in this town again. Don't you I remember know. that? I know. You'll never work here again. I know. But yeah. So unfortunate. Uh, I still think it's fair to fully judge Ben on what his 2023 and 2024 recruiting classes will be. Now he's still going to land at least one, if not two more local players for the class of 2022. He did get Braden Carrington of Park Center High School a couple weeks ago, he was a huge priority. Like, if Ben had lost Braden Carrington, that would have hurt big time. I told you a few weeks ago when he lost Damarian Watson of Totino Grace to Iowa State, uh, tears were not shed. Uh, If Braden Carrington had chosen Colorado or Florida or somewhere else, uh, there would have been some tears shed there. So he was a huge priority. So credit to Ben and and Thorson for, for nabbing Braden Carrington. There's a kid from... Park Cottage Grove, Farrell Payne, I think the Gophers can get. He's blown up this summer. There's a kid from Osseo that they just offered that I think they have at least a, a fighting chance to land. So I think when it's all said and done, you'll see two or three Minnesota kids in Ben Johnson's 2022 recruiting class. But really, keep an eye on 2023-2024. There's a 2023 kid, Trevor Winter's son, Nolan Winter, from Lakeville North. Lakeville North has sent a bunch of kids to Wisconsin, right, going back a few years. Nate Reavers, who just signed a pro contract to play over in Europe. And mm-hmm. Tyler Wall, right? Like, there's this pathway, Lakeville North to Wisconsin. And Wisconsin once Nolan Winter. But I know the Gophers feel good about their chances to land him. So when talking about legacy, Trevor, the former Gopher, the 97 Final Four team, okay, maybe it would work in, in that regard. One other note on Trey Holloman. So Trey is good friends with Chase Carter. That's Randy Carter's son, the former gopher. Chase just committed to Michigan State to play football about two, three weeks ago. So Trey and Chase are good friends. So that's just another variable here that that now Trey and Chase will be on the same campus. So just it was always an uphill battle. Heck, it's Tom Izzo. Judd, it's Tom Izzo. Like, you know, borderline blue blood program. Like, how do you turn down Tom Izzo? 
Daniel Oturu did, but it's really hard to turn down Tom Izzo. I I have seen seen the clips of him yelling at these (laughs) youngsters who are very sensitive, and I've been told that Izzo's style is passe. We're all in a new generation now where everybody's nice. Exactly right. We sing Kumbaya, so that's what I was told. Damn it. Michigan State should be done. Yeah, well, like you're going to continue. It doesn't matter who you hire. Like some kids just, they want to go. In this case, the relationship was was so strong. You're not going to be able to literally keep every single kid. And I'll continue to say, like, it's great. It's an added bonus if the kid's from, you know, Brooklyn Park or Robbinsdale or somewhere here in the Metro. But I don't care if the kid's from Paducah, Kentucky. If he can play and you can win and you can be an upper half Big Ten team, I'll take that. Like, my bar's not real high. Like, to me, make the NCAA tournament, you know, every other year. Like, I don't think that's a crazy expectation. Maybe win a game here or there, get to the round of 32, the occasional every four or five years, run to the Sweet 16. Dukes, do you know what I want? Because I'm with you. If if you have – we now produce, basketball-wise, incredible talent here. Mm -hmm. So, like, it is a different world, and I get that. And this class, by the way, Judd, is in – a class by itself, okay. like as good as so, the 2014 class was, this 2022 class, now it won't be 25 kids going to high okay. major. Some will end up mid-major, like Carter Bierke is a really good big man from Wyzetta, Can I tell you who's what going I to play for Johnny Tower at St. Thomas. But like, there's going to be 25 kids, Judd, in Minnesota from the 2022 class that are going yep. to play Division One basketball. Here's what I want, though. Here's what I want, because I understand that at times Kentucky and Kansas and some of the Blue Blood programs are going to come around like Duke, and they're just going to get kids. What I want, though, is this, and I want to start here in football, and I want to start here in basketball, which is this. If Wisconsin wants a kid and you want a kid, and the kid is from this state, more often than not, I want to see you win. That's the type of thing that drives me crazy. So, like, if it is – if 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 it's a Jones, if it's Tyus or Trey, I'd like to keep them, but I understand it's a tough battle. But it's it's the seeing the kids at Wisconsin who thrive, who then, when you see the graphic, the bio, right? You know, um, Parker Cottage Grove, Minnetonka, Lakeville, to your point. That's what I want to see end. That's frustrating because Wisconsin's a really good school. And Wisconsin has good sports teams, but damn it, there's no reason, and we've talked about this before, there's no reason why we shouldn't compete directly and often win against them when it comes to those kids. Well, that's fair, but you need to go case by case. P.J. Fleck lost the best football recruit in the state. When was that? Was that the 2019 or 2020 class? Doesn't matter. Riley Mallman from Lakeville South. who ended up playing a lot of tight end for South, but he projects with his body as as an offensive lineman, he's going to need to put on a bunch of weight. But, like, if you're Riley Mallman, look at Wisconsin. It's pedigree in producing NFL offensive linemen. So, like, I get that. Like, if you're a local kid and the Badgers sell you on on coming to them and you play offensive line, I understand it. I do. But, yeah, basketball-wise, sure. I think that's that's a reasonable and fair expectation. Here's what I can promise you. Just knowing Ben Johnson and Dave Thorson well enough, they are going to be relentless on the local kids. Whatever you perceived or or knew as reality when it came to Richard Patino and his lack of of building connections here in town on the recruiting scene, like that is going to change big time. Doesn't mean he's going to get Ben is going to get every single kid, but he is going to be nonstop on these kids. He'll go overboard. He is going to be in gyms often. The last few years, how often did you see Richard Patino in the Lakeville North gym? You know, you name the, the local gym. It was it was few and far between. You are going to see Thorson and Ben Johnson in gyms a ton. That Good. I can promise you. Excellent. All right, sir. Un- unless there's more scoopage. We are done, I believe. No. If you want to get out the Darisaw note, though, I haven't tweeted it out yet, so do whatever it's you want with it. Okay, perfect. Oh, I yeah, tweeted baby. it as you were talking, Doogie, because this is breaking news on a podcast. This is not good news, though. I told you I was worried. 
And well, we don't know. I mean, I'll dig more. I don't know what the specialist said, but the fact that he went to go see the specialist. Yeah, it's it's cause for concern. No, no denying that. I think this might be a second specialist, too. So that's what I'm concerned. Well, I mean, oftentimes, you know, the the agent will drive that. Right. Like, let's say, okay, we need to go get a second opinion. I mean, yes. Yes. Get it cleaned up. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Vikings, fine, whatever you think of their medical staff. But. Yeah, you should go outside the building and go get a second opinion. Absolutely. Thank you, Doogie. We will talk to you for Bonus Scoop on Tuesday, okay? Okay. Take it easy, boys. See ya. Thank you, sir. See you later. And, of course, you can catch Doogie's uh, Scoop podcast on all of our platforms, and you can also see a Scoop weekly uh, with pictures on television, Channel 5 Eyewitness News, which is where Doogie, his A job is at. Yeah, Declan, I had a feeling. I had a damn feeling. And, you know, what a scoop. That might be an all-time scoop session right there to actually get breaking news from a source as we're doing a scoop absolutely big time scoop from doogie there so i i don't i don't um that that's why we do it two two times a week tuesdays and thursdays right here i love it on mackie and jet the federated challenge supporting big brothers big sisters hosted by my great friends at federated insurance this amazing event brings together a group of community focused and generous businesses and individuals to raise money to support big brothers big sisters a 116 year old one-to-one mentoring organization since 2005 the federated challenge has raised over 41 million dollars and has helped ignite the potential of our nation's youth special thanks to sit investment associates stony brook capital and taft for their support Let's continue the conversation. Actually, first of all, Declan, why don't you do this? Okay. Because Duke and I talked about the the 91 World Series reunion at Target Field, which begins tomorrow mm-hmm. with Boomstick, Nelson Cruz coming back to town with the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, yes, the Twins season did not go as expected. Yes, it's been a disappointment. But Target Field is still... A great place to go watch a baseball game. Yes, it is. And and a lot of heroes of 91 are coming back to town. So why don't you tell the people if they say, hey, you know what? Hey. Let's go to Target Field, see some baseball. Why don't you tell them how they can do exactly that? Yeah, the Twins are celebrating that 30th anniversary this weekend against Tampa Bay Rays. And you'll have the opportunity to take and to meet and take photos with your World Series heroes. And you can relive some of the most memorable moments from the unforgettable season in a special pre-game ceremony on Saturday, August 14th. Judd Zolgat approved, by the way, pre-game ceremony, a good tribute video that is rightfully so. This isn't Charlie oh, Coyle. You're right. We are talking about point. a world Thank championship. You. So this is Zolgat approved. Well, Get your tickets. Twinsbaseball.com slash tickets. And Nelson Cruz, I'm fine with this one, okay? So, so Nelson Cruz is going to get a tribute. He's going to, I mean, heck, I think they're going to actually honor him before the game tomorrow. Yeah. And I'm sure that at that point in time, they'll show a bunch of his his home runs. Um, here's what I like about the plan there, okay? So, like, th- this to me uh, crystallizes what I like about tr- uh, tributes and what I don't like about them. They're honoring Cruz, who was really good here and well-liked, right, Dex? And, and they perceive that he is worthy of, like, taking a moment and saying – Thank you for like bringing, I'm sure he's going to come out of the dugout, shake Rocco's hand. Um, That is when you can do a video. What I don't like, and this is what hockey loves to do. All right. uh, Puck goes over the glass. We're going to have a timeout here and face the puck. And then it's like, and thank you, Charlie Coyle for all your great. (laughs) And if you're not worthy of coming out to home plate before a game, right? Center ice and being, you know, basically said, hey, here's Charlie Coyle back, and he raises his stick at center ice, which he wasn't worth, then I don't want you to get a video. See, that that's sort of my breaking point there. Nelson Cruz deserves it. Great couple of years here, really likable, um, hell of a player, great signing. <laughs> you won back-to-back. I mean, I know you didn't. I know you didn't win a playoff game. They're very disappointing, but you won back-to-back division titles. That's the type of thing. That's the line for me. If you're worthy of actually having a small ceremony, you're worthy of a video. But when you just happen to take a face off and it's like, okay, let's roll the video. I just, nah, I can't get it. I can't do that either. I can't get it. Um, hey, scoopage wise, I, yes, I want to talk about, I want to talk about, um, so the news that we discussed, I think it was on Monday's Mackie and Judd when Phil was still in pocket, Kirill Kaprizov, uh, Frank Cervalli, I believe it's of daily face off now, Correct. had 
reported at the time that Kirill Kaprizov basically was in agreement on a one-year, eight-figure deal with CSKA Moscow of the KHL. Uh, And then, of course, he said, unless the Wild comes along and gives him an offer he wants, in which case he will play uh, for Billy Guerin's team in 2021-22. John Shipley of the Pioneer Press weighed in in a column yesterday. Chip Scoggins, our friend, who, by the way, is going to join us, uh, sitting in for Phil on Mackey and Judd on Friday, Mm -hmm. weighed in in the Star Tribune today in a column. Uh, Chip's point was, this is a negotiating ploy. Don't be fooled. Yes, it's a mess, but Kirill Kaprizov is not going to Russia. Um, I sense at this point in time that Chip's probably right. But here's the thing that's sort of weird about this. At what point in time does this finally end? Because, for instance, Fiala, okay? He, he has an arbitration date, and either his contract gets done before that or he goes to the arbitration hearing and he picks, I believe it's the player's choice in the National Hockey League, a one- or two-year deal, Correct. and then the contract is done. So there might be acrimony between the two sides, Dex, but nonetheless, there will be a deal done. So it's like it's going to get done, and, and once it's done, he will play for the Wild, and it might not be settled long-term at that point, but for this season, it will be. Mm-hmm. The Kaprizov thing to me is the interesting dynamic here. Um, one is I think Chip's right. I don't think he's going home. I just don't. And if if he does, if he really wanted to go home, which I speculated on because we know nothing about the kid after when this all started, after this, the playoffs came to an end, I felt that he would have done it by now. Like if he was just like, I don't like being in the States. I, I want to be with my family, blah, blah, blah that he would have negotiated a deal fairly quickly to go home and stay there. That's not happening. So I think Chipper's right. I think it is a negotiating ploy. But that being said, the agent who, again, represented Artemi Panarin, and Panarin's situation was similar but not exact, um, is pulling the strings here. And so the one thing that I have no idea is, while I don't think he's going to play in the KHL, I also don't know exactly when he's going to sign here mm-hmm. because I mean, he could extend this out. Like this is not a, he has the ability to basically start training camp, not practicing. He has the ability as far as I, I know, unless there's some rule I don't know about. And I don't think there is to start the season, not playing until he gets exactly what he wants. And if that's a three-year contract, Bill Guerin is going to be very hesitant to do that. So I guess the one the one door that I would leave open in this that we really have not explored yet isn't that the threat of going back to Moscow is nearly as credible as the threat of him sitting out for a prolonged period to force the Wild's hand might be. Here, here's where I'm at. I, I think it's highly unlikely he sits out. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's going to be here at training camp in, in less than a month. What is it? Coming up here already. Um, I think he'll be at training camp. I think this is mostly becoming a ploy by the agent. Uh, you know, there was the weird Russian article. And of course, when you do the Google translation, it's never perfect English. So you kind of got to take that with a grain of salt saying it. that It was basically a, the, the biggest fraudulent report there is that he's really not going back to Moscow. Um, I, I think the bigger issue I have from Kirill's side, and, and we have a Fiala, I have a Fiala talker as well. But uh, I think the problem with the Kirill side is it just makes him look bad. Like it, it, it makes it makes things look a little ugly, and and I get that he was a superstar and he was as advertised and he deserves to be paid, but I I think it just makes him look makes makes him look bad to Bill Guerin, and Guerin's a no BSer. Like Guerin knows he's going to pay this guy, he knows that, but the fact his agent drawed this out, and and I I'm sure Guerin's frustration is definitely more on the agent than it is Kirill, but it, yeah. it does give Kirill a little bit of a bad look to management. Remember this happened with Fiala what, two years ago when he signed his last bridge deal that there it went on, it went on, and went on. He's late to training camp because then there's another visa issue. He gets off to that slow start, and it wasn't until January before the pandemic when he basically became the game-breaker uh, that Paul Fenton dubbed him to be, and it took him a while to get in that fold. Now, I think Kirill is talented enough that th- that won't happen to him necessarily, but th- these external factors, however you want to take them, I think are going to start percolating if things don't get resolved here very shortly. 
Yeah, well, and plus to add to your point, which is right, is the fact that it took Kirill five years to get here. Like, this would not be a problem if Kirill had come here quicker and played and accelerated his contract. He chose not to. Here's the one thing that you never know, Dex, when you're dealing, especially, I think, with Russian players, though. Who back in the homeland is pulling the strings as well? Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot more. I agree with you. Kirill Kaprizov right now looks like as far as a player off the ice, so I'm talking contractually and stuff like that, like a pain in the ass, right? Like, he just does. It takes five years. You know, Fletcher tried, drafted him, and couldn't couldn't get him here. Paul Fenton tried for a year. Finally, Bill does, and Bill is hailed as a hero. And, you know, that's great. He got him, and he's outstanding. And then after one year with, with you know, no ability to go to arbitration, no ability to um, sign an offer sheet elsewhere, he's doing this, or the agent is. But I always wonder, and especially because it's the same guy that represented Panarin, is who's in the background at home possibly pulling strings as well that go, because I don't think the players are necessarily in a position, especially at, at an age of, you know, let's say 24 or 25, like Kirill is. I don't know that they're in a spot to put their foot down and be like, okay, let's stop this right now. Right. I think there's a lot of people and things pulling at them. And I don't think we necessarily understand that because it's not in our sort of culture. Like we just got a lot of folks here who want to get paid. Hey, I'm really good at, at what I do. And if I can buy mom and dad a house, awesome, right? But I think when you're talking about Russia, you're also talking about circumstances that we don't necessarily get. And so I'm with you completely in that Kaprizov, by the day, looks more like a pain. But I also have a little bit of empathy for him, I guess, because I wonder what's going on behind the scenes as far as because clearly, as big of of fraud as this offer from CSKA Moscow might be, clearly there's something at work here of why they're doing it because they know it. They know it looks like a fraud. Yeah. But like they're not dumb. Right. They just don't care. And so that crosses this whole conversation to a level that I think we don't necessarily get. And like we're like, well, just sign. Like, dude, in three, you know what? If you can get a four year deal in four years, go bolt and go play for the kings or the rangers or whomever but i think there's a lot more at work here sometimes with these young russian players than we know and that's what sort of concerns me here as far as as assuming like i'm willing to assume that this is a bluff move about going home to play um but i'm not willing to dismiss the entire thing and just be like it's all bs i think you're probably right but you always got to think there's something around the corner and it's worse if you don't necessarily understand the dynamic of what that might be, if that makes sense. No, it totally does. I, I get that. Um, I I just, as we talked about on, on, was it statements, I believe on Monday? Yeah. You know, this was supposed to be a fun off season. It's, it's gotten a little stale since, since uh, the Parise Suter buyouts, there's still stuff that can happen. Um, I, I believe what I think, was it this morning or late last night, Sam Reinhart, you know, signed his deal in Florida, I believe three years, 6.5 AAV. Um, if I'm Fiala's camp, I, I think that's now going to be the best deal you can get. I, is it the fairest deal and, and the deal that you deserve, Kevin? Maybe not. You know, Maybe you do deserve a little bit more money and more term. But I think three and six and a half, considering that's what Sam Reinhardt got, and I know Reinhardt's a center, but right. I think that's probably the contract that Fiala is going to also get. I wouldn't be surprised at all if that's kind of the contract that Fiala ends up agreeing upon before that arbiter meeting, which I believe is now five days away um, before he can pick that. I, I, I think eventually this contract is going to get done with Kevin and they're not going to also give him a four or five year deal. I, I would like him to be here four or five years. You know, I'd like to say I'm, I'm the biggest Kevin Fiala fan there is, but I, I think three years, six and a half or six to six and a half, I should say is probably going to be the term that Kevin Fiala ends up getting. That seems fair. I, I and the weird thing with, with him is, because we both think he's incredibly talented, and I think the team does too. But the weird thing with him is they don't seem to like him as much as we do. No, and so I don't think they value. I think I think you especially, but me too. I think we think of Fiala in a certain way about what he probably deserves in terms of uh, length of the contract and financially. I don't know that they're on board with that, and so so that's one where I don't think 
Bill Guerin especially necessarily agrees with us on Capri subjects. So to, to get to the heart of the heart of today's show, which of course is always reckless speculation. Mm-hmm. I got a question for you. In fact, play the sounder. Play the reckless speculation sounder, please. You got it. Reckless speculation. So again, we're talking about a player that we really don't know much about. We're talking about a situation that we definitely don't understand in full. So here's my here's my query to you. If Kev, if Kirill Kaprizov gets a three or four year contract, but but let's just say he wins. Let's just say Bill Guerin's like, I gotta have you back. He's like, I'm not coming back unless it's three years, maybe four, but I ain't doing five or six, and I certainly am not doing seven or eight at what point in time do you think their hand and i'm not saying it's in the course of next season okay so just to be very clear at what point in time do you think that their hand might be forced to have to trade him because you know if it's three years three years is going to get here quick and you're you are salary cap strapped really really badly in his years two and three um so unfortunately as distasteful as this question is, and I hate this idea, but at what point in time do you think you have to examine saying, it looks like this guy is going to walk and we cannot, you know, Marion Gabrick walked X. Yep. He walked away from here and that you got nothing for him. That can't happen again. And th- and this is on Fiala, right? This is, this is, no, on, this Kaprizov. is on Kaprizov? No, yeah, Fiala I'm not as concerned about, but the Kaprizov thing, because of all the dynamics behind the scenes, I'm just saying, if it's very clear that he wants to play for the Rangers, mm-hmm. I don't think you can go the Riseborough Gabrick route again and be like, okay, cool, then just leave after you're done here and get nothing for him. I, I don't think, personally, Jed, I, I just don't see a situation within the next 365 days, so basically the next year, where we have to start uh, having that conversation. Let's say the Wild don't make the playoffs this year. Let's just say the Wild kind of fall flat. They're stagnant. They're, they're just not in the top eight. They didn't hit the ceiling that we expect them to do so. I, I don't see a situation where that kicks in in the next year. Um, it depends also on the development of, obviously, Boldy and Rossi and where Kevin Fiala is at, where your goaltending's at. Basically, I think that the whole team would have to be catastrophically bad over the next over this season for us to start having that conversation. I personally think that Kaprizov combo, if you want to start talking about it, would be like 18 months to two years from now. Yeah. Well, what, yeah, that's my point. Mm-hmm. You're not going to trade him. I'm talking about the internal discussions about the future. Yeah. So so he is he is going to be, in my opinion, he is going to be back with this team unless he just flat out holds out yeah. this season. Okay. No, my point is after that, the next two years, you are up against the cap big time. Yeah. The buyouts start to kill you. Yep. And so and so at that point in time, if you have to strip things down a bit, and then Kirill's like, okay, I signed a three-year contract, and after three years, I'm bolting. I'm saying at some point then in year two, or more likely that third year, yeah. you have to consider a trade, and, and you have to be prepared for that, because the one thing you can't, the one thing that will set this franchise back again is if you are stubborn, and like, we can re-sign him, and he walks. Right. So that's where this, that's where this entire thing gets walked up to a very dangerous and interesting point mm-hmm. um, because certainly you could make a substantial trade there and it better to get something back that you like than nothing. Right. And I know this is more, you know, reckless speculation, Reckless speculation. but I, I think thinking about the nuclear option, which in my opinion, that's the nuclear option, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's nuclear. Yes. Um, yes. I, and, and I'm totally okay. Obviously having the conversation, I think the, the misconception of this show and of what we do at score North is why you're even talking about something that's, that can't happen or why you talk something that is uh, a, a very small percent chance of happening. Well, number one, we're, you're allowed to talk about those things. So, so they're, they're, they're not off limits. Topics aren't off limits, but I will say spending a lot of time or energy on that nuclear option at this date, I think is a little premature but I I understand that if if this team absolutely does not live up to expectations, those salary cap hits start to pile up. You have to have you have to then start having that conversation. That that thought yeah. process of well, if we have fifteen million dollars basically in dead money for the next three years, uh, well, then there's no point for us to try to be competitive if if we're not hitting the ceiling we need to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, and to be clear though, um, so fans don't like to hear. I shouldn't say this. That's not fair. Some fans, because 
Yeah. Some fans very much enjoy us. Some <laughs> fans don't like to hear about the pitfalls that might befell their their team, whether that be the Twins, the Vikings, the Wild, the Wolves, the Gophers, the Lynx, whatever. Um, let me assure you of this. Bill Guerin and the Wild have had every type of conversation about Kaprizov that you could possibly have, and they actually have plans. So, like, you have to be prepared for everything. And what happens when you're not really prepared? Marion Gabrick walks away. Yep. See, so, like, that's the problem. This show is actually built on, in my opinion, is actually built on the fundamentals in some ways of what teams have to do, which is they have to have plans. Because let's just say, to wrap up here, I'm just going to take you through a scenario. Never would happen, Declan. I don't think it would ever happen, but let's just talk about it. All right. Draft night, you trade back to 23. And you nab Christian Derrissaw, your future left tackle, and he's going to be your guy, and you're going to plug him in. And you think to yourself, you know what? And then in the third round, you take Wyatt Davis, and you think to yourself, we're going to plug these guys in opening day, and and all those people that said Kirk's contract is a problem are going to be proven wrong. We are in great shape. And then Wyatt Davis shows up to camp; he's out of shape. Head coach ain't happy. Okay, but he's a third round pick. We can we can do something there. Still got Derrissaw. And Derrissaw shows up to camp. And he's actually behind physically where he was in minicamp. And now Rashad Hill is at left tackle. That's what happens when you don't think about worst case. Because Christian Derrissaw was coming off core muscle surgery. And it's not my job to have been concerned about that on draft night. It's my job now to look at, back at that and say, you're stuck with Rashad Hill. Is this is this really the best idea? Um, could you have thought about, let's say, your guy, Declan Goff, Brian O'Neill, going from right to left tackle, which is plausible. We talked about it. It's very possible. Mm-hmm. So so as much as people do not like what, what we term, because it's a fun term, reckless speculation, I'm going to tell you right now, nobody recklessly speculates, and it's the right thing to do more than the teams do. Absolutely. They have and this conversation. God, and that's... And that's the God's truth. And and look, some of it's fun. Some of it's not fun. But it's when you go worst case, it's based in the reality of what's going to possibly get you to a championship if things come apart. Yep. It's and that simple. Gerson Rosas has these conversations. He's admitted to us on his show before. So so this absolutely happens. You know, Bill Guerin's come on our come on this program and, and talked about similar things as well. Um, yeah, you, you absolutely teams. Talk about this more than you think so. It's not just hunky dory and everything's rainbows and butterflies over at you know X team headquarters. It's 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 a maddening experience. That that's why it's fun for us to be armchair GMs because we because we get to have Absolutely. the fun part of the conversations, not the mental gymnastics of how we're going to make this work financially from a chemistry standpoint, from all these other different external factors. It's easy yep. for us to sit here uh, and speculate on those trades. Just like, you know, if all these San Jose Sharks players are saying, I'm not playing if Evander Kane's still on this team, well, then Thomas Hurdle, come on down if that's the case. But that is a conversation for a completely different podcast and uh, and, and day on, on Mackie and Judd or Judd's Hockey Show. Outstanding stuff. It has been a fun, reckless speculation Thursday. Thanks to Dugues for the scoop, in, including breaking news in a scoop about Christian Derrissaw having seen a specialist, core muscle specialist in Philadelphia on Thursday. Chip Scoggins will be in for Mackey tomorrow. Conduits of Trouble meets the Mackey and Judd show. I'm Judd. He's Declan. Talk to you later. Need a gift idea for the outdoor adventure in your life? Shop the Allbirds Mizzle Collection. Made with water-repellent puddle guard technology and ZQ-certified merino wool with a low environmental impact. It's a natural fit for winter runs. And Allbirds offsets the carbon footprint to make their mizzle collection carbon neutral, so you can take comfort in treading lighter. Get on their nice list this year with the Allbirds Mizzle Collection. Discover your perfect pair at Allbirds.com. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. If you love to travel, you love cool experiences, you are going to love Viator. Viator is the world's leading travel experience marketplace. And for me, Sun Valley skiing is huge on my bucket list. So I just opened the Viator app, searched Sun Valley, and boom, custom ski and boot fittings and tickets delivered right to our condo. Pretty unbelievable. Just download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking. One app, over 300,000 experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.